Hey, Peppin. Yo, 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 yo. Goo dog. Goo dog? Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, like good dog. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he is a good dog, isn't he? It's close. Uh, That'd be good day. Good dog is good day now? It's Norwegian. Hmm. Wait, you're going to Norwegian? I am. I'm learning Norwegian, and I know uh, un poquito espanol. Oh, wow. Hey, that's interesting. Huh. I wonder why you started learning. Oh, well, we can find out, Nate. We need to talk. Welcome back, and so glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going today, Pepin? Yo, yo, I am doing well. How about you there, Meter? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. Um, so uh, today we're, we're talking a little bit about languages. Recently, I, um, I started learning some Norwegian, uh, and I threw using, uh, I'm currently using the Duolingo app. Um, which is amazing. I'm really, really happy with it. Uh, it's super intuitive. Um, and I was just hoping to talk a little bit about the experience of it. Um, and um, I'd love to get your take on on learning multiple languages and being a polyglot and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very cool. I, I have a big interest in other languages and kind of learning that sort of thing. So it's definitely up my alley. Uh, one question I do have to ask, though, is like, uh, why Norwegian? Um, because it's something that my girlfriend's learning. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, and why is your girlfriend learning it? She's been learning it for like, I don't even know. I think she has like a thousand plus day streak on Duolingo. Um, oh, geez. so she's been learning it for a long time. Uh, there's a, a comedy group. Um, you remember that, um, that group that did, what does the Fox say a while ago? Yulvis? No idea, but let's say well, yes. Well, it was, it was hugely popular, um, and they're a Norwegian uh, comedy duo, uh, two brothers, and they, um, she like loves all of the stuff they do, and she was showing me, and it's actually really, really good. Uh, most of the stuff is, most of their songs are in English, um, but a lot of the other stuff that they do for Norwegian TV, the huge stars in, in Norway, uh, is in Norwegian. So some of it has subtitles, but some of it doesn't. So she's literally learning it just to be able to watch like they, they have one 24 hour live stream, um, just to be able to, to watch that and actually understand what's going on. And I think they're funny too. And I want to support that. I think it'll be easier for us both to learn if we're able to talk to each other in that similar language. Um, so I'm on board. I'm trying to be supportive. Mm -hmm. That's very, very cool. It, it's definitely one of those things where if you have like a real reason to learn something or someone to talk to in that language, it, it kind of gives you a lot more motivation to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and practice too. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I currently am using Duolingo and they do an amazing job. It's really intuitive. They don't like hit you over the head with a bunch of like vocab words. Instead, they'll introduce a word once and make it a different color and you can click on it and see what it means. And then they have you just use it in a sentence and they'll give you like five to 10 words per little segment. And then you'll just practice those over and over and over in different ways um, and learn that way. And it's interesting how quickly I'm learning like um, syntax that way. 
like when you're doing a statement versus a question, the easiest way to know that right out the gate when you're reading a sentence is the first two words. Because if it's a statement, then the uh, pronoun goes first and then the verb. And if it's a question, they're reversed. So it's really, really cool. Um, and they didn't have to like tell me that. I didn't need a teacher to like tell me that. I just learned that through repetition and, and noticing the pattern. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that kind of, I'm going to take this weird way, but uh, there's kind of like a Aristotelian way of learning languages. And there's more of a platonic way. And what I mean by that is like with the Aristotelian way, you kind of like learn f- words and phrases and kind of like associations between things. And then you kind of pick up the grammar through, you know, repetition, observation of like the things that are common between these different items. Right. And maybe sometimes things are one off, like, for instance, in Spanish uh, or well, in Spain, they say es la leche, which is it's the milk, which makes no sense. And it means it's cool right over there. But, you know, there's. There's no way you could figure that out. I mean, out, like the bees knees, things. Like, right? It's, <laughs> it's a colloquialism, so go on. So, but there's certain phrases you can, you can never figure out, but you can still abstract like grammar from like the individual pieces and kind of, you know, get like a basic idea of syntax, grammar, and how things fit together hmm. and that kind of understanding. So that's kind of the Aristotelian way to do it. But then there's kind of a platonic way of doing it where you're kind of told the rules from the outset and then you take those rules and you apply them like, you know, downward. Mm. So it's kind of like high level and then, you know, like I before E after, except after C or whatever, and then you apply it to those situations. Mm. So that's kind of like a more top level rule set. And, you know, I can learn both ways. Um, You know, I did find in school, um, which I think is more of that platonic way that you're talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, I took Spanish in, in high school. I, we, we took it together. Um, and you know, I learned okay that way, but since I've gotten older, I've realized that that's not my preferred learning style. It's all I knew growing up. So I'm like, okay, this is how you learn. This is how learning happens. And then in, as real life happens, you're like, oh, that's not how it has to be. You can also learn by doing. And I learn much better by doing and just like absorbing the the context and and things like that like when um i went over my friend's house right and we're playing a a card they're playing a card game i've never seen before they're like do you want me to explain all the rules to you i'm like i honestly i'll absorb a very small amount of that and to be able to take that small amount and then apply it and then there's going to be special situations like honestly i would rather just watch you guys play around without you explaining anything and then i'll learn enough just from that and then i'll just play and usually that works way better for me Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where top-down learning doesn't always work very well because it's like, number one, you have to remember all the top-down things, but number two, it's like you have to map those things onto the, the things they're supposed to represent because that's essentially what it is. Like, that's what language is, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's a mapping between two different things. So you might have a word, what is a word? It's just like scribbles on a piece of paper or on the computer screen or somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? It's this abstract thing. So maybe it's D-O-G. I mean, D-O-G is one abstraction because it's letters, right? D is a letter, which is an abstraction, certain kind of shape. Then you put these three letters together, D-O-G. And then what you assert is that thing has a mapping to something which is real, a dog in real life, Mm -hmm. right? And kind of being told that dog... DOG is dog and dog maps to this. You can be told that, but 
you know, it, it maybe is a little bit easier for some people just to kind of see a dog and point to the dog and just say dog. And then the association is more kind of felt. Mm. Uh, like you're being told a mapping versus kind of experiencing that mapping for yourself. And it's, I, I, th- I think, like, it's, like you said, I think both ways have an approach, but sometimes if you go with the platonic approach, it can get hard to kind of like incorporate all of that and remember it and kind of also just associate the things that need to be associated. I think it depends on the person too. I know I've now learned that that's how I personally learn best mm-hmm. is just by observing, absorbing in my at my own speed, in my own way. And then um, it's kind of like teaching myself just through observing and then applying versus trying to be told, um, especially when uh, uh, the, the most frustrating thing I find when learning from like in the situation of a group playing a card game is everyone's trying to explain rules as they're happening. And then everybody has a different way to explain it. And then they try and correct each other, but it's just miscommunication. And then it like makes it way more confusing. Too many cooks uh, in the kitchen, you know, and cooks don't make good, good teachers uh, while they're cooking. So um, th- that to me is really frustrating versus just, uh, I find it easier to be like, I'll just look at it and learn. How do how mm-hmm. how about you as far as what way you learn? So I think I learn in two different ways. Well, because I think I have a high capacity for both, but one I don't like and the other I do. Because I, I think I am a good platonic learner in the sense that like throughout school, like you, you give me instructions, I can carry out those instructions and kind of do the thing. They essentially give you like little ways to do things. Like for instance, for instance, in math, math, you might be giving certain formulas, certain problems, and you can like, kind of go through the motions and find the right answer. But do you actually like understand what you're doing? So, for me, it was usually a no. Like I didn't really understand what I was doing. So I didn't like that approach. But, you know, that approach can take you to the answer. And it usually did. And that's kind of most things in school, to be honest. Like just kind of knowing how to get to the answer. You're given the, like, the, the, the directions and you can kind of get through with those directions. I like learning more in the sense of uh, kind of more bottom down where I kind of gain like a understanding and build a structure in my head of understanding. And so what I tend to do, and this is maybe not very efficient, but I listen to lots of podcasts. I read a lot of material, watch a lot of videos of things I don't understand. And I probably watch way too much of it, to be honest. And eventually this all starts kind of like processing and in the back of my head, like in the, in the subconscious, they just kind of start putting on these substructures and kind of like a great understanding of things. So if someone says something like there's a greater kind of implication to what that thing is, cause it's kind of referring back to the whole tree of knowledge mm-hmm. as opposed to just like one little off thing. And that's tends, tends to be a high learn best and why I think I have such detailed knowledge or like kind of quick knowledge of certain things, but it takes a while to build that structure up. Whereas some other people can probably just read something once and kind of like understand it. But I have to like have a lot of repetition mm. and kind of just a lot of cementing of the basic points. And there's a lot of mysteries in that too, because there's little things that won't make sense. So it's just kind of like a, a tree that grows in different directions according to where it thinks nutrients might be. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I feel like that will also allow for better association across learning, um, which uh, I, I find that I do a fairly good job of. Like if I have, if I learn in, um, you know, a card game, the co- a concept of 
deception, um, I'm I'm can take that concept and apply it to uh, a board game that has deception in it, um, like uh, the that what's the colonies game that we play. That you, oh, Settlers. Yeah, Settlers of Catan. Oh, like and that, or, um, you know, a party game like uh, like Secret Hitler, um, that's all about deception. So, you know, that's a mm. that's not a great example, but taking a concept that makes sense in one thing and being able to apply it to other things, I feel like you'll have a really good job doing that because you have such a wide range of that tree of knowledge to be able to just like have one branch touch another tree and then all of a sudden all of the things are connected together. I think that's pretty accurate, and it's funny you say that because that that is kind of how my brain is. Like I'll be learning about one thing, and then that thing will kind of connect back to evolution or to quantum physics or just regular physics to uh, you know epistemology, hmm. you know all these different kind of things it can come come back to, and you know maybe that's a bad sign or maybe not a bad sign. Perhaps that can be bad sometimes because my brain is a little bit all over the place. Like I can go from one thing to the other, and it seems very random to people. You know, if I'm not like being courteous to their <laughs> train of thought, but I also think there's a lot of power in that too, because I'm able to like, cross associate things. But again, the main downside to that method is it takes a lot of time and a lot of like, uh, I'm not going to say effort, but a lot of time, you know, it, it, it takes a while to build those structures out. Mm. Going back to, to, uh, colloquialisms or idioms, um, idioms, if you will, um, like the bee's knees or esta la leche. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know any per se yet, uh, with, with Norwegian. I, again, today is day five of, of doing this. So, uh, I'm sure, you know, in a couple of weeks we may be able to revisit and I may, may be able to throw some in, but, um, there was one that I noticed, uh, just today before we started recording. Um, and that is, uh, Tusentak. So, uh, talk is thank you and i'm like what i don't and tucson talk is thank you very much and i'm like what but i don't what is tucson and uh then it happened to come up a little bit later and it's actually thousand so you're saying thousand thanks literally um but that mm -hmm. makes sense that that's thank you very much it's thank you and then a big number like or a big number and thank you um so i feel like that mm -hmm. at least in our language kind of fits that type of of idea of an idiotism mm -hmm. i mean it it so it you could infer the meaning from the literal translation but you, you know a lot of times you can kind of take a phrase and like have it be its own separate entity and that's kind of where i think entities come from mm. like maybe there's even an original reason for like the bee's knees or you know the la leche Right, but you know, you say it enough, and it becomes its own kind of little word in its own. Mm. And so, like thousand thanks, you can kind of figure that out, right? Because you can say one thank after you. If you say one thank, you're probably being a jerk. Because <laughs> I, I give you one thank you. Well, I mean, that but, would just be talk. That's they use a lot of K's, J's. Um, man, the mm. the pronunciation of some of the words are very difficult to learn up front. Um, mm. The word, uh, let me. It's the word spend. Uh, no, not spend. Um, it's buy, I think. Uh, it's uh, yope, which is K-J-O with a line through it, P-E. Hmm. And I don't even think I'm... No, it's, I think it's ch. 
I think KJ makes a ch sound. So I think it's chop or chopa. That's what it is, chopa. Uh, and the E makes an A. It's like, it's crazy. So I read that the first time. There's no way I can pronounce that right. But luckily with Duolingo, it it both makes you pronounce it sometimes and it says it to you. And I try every time I, there's a sentence in Norwegian, either I'm translating or it's giving me, I try and say it out loud. That way I just continue to get used to having my mouth make those sounds. So one thing that's really interesting with the pronunciations of words in other languages is that other languages often have sounds that English doesn't have itself. Uh, there's a couple of instances of that with like uh, Spanish, for instance. Uh, so Spanish, I mean, this is in English to some degree, but they have the mm-hmm. like gente, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, it's kind of like a H sound, but it's kind of more guttural. You actually see that in German and a couple other languages, of course, but it's kind of a sound that's not in English, but there's other sounds in Spanish that aren't in English as well, like the... Yeah, the rolled R's like the, that the, I can't do. Rolled R's. And then you can kind of go to other languages where, like, say, Chinese and Japanese, they have syllables and, like, syllables that we wouldn't really recognize. So, like, when they when they say it, we hear it as, like, a uh or, like, a uh but really it's like a something in between or something a little bit different. So when we say it, they hear something that we're actually, you know, they, they hear like something different than what we're actually perceiving it to be. Mm. Cause we're perceiving it from our native kind of, of I think they call it the phonemes, phonemes, uh, speaking, spacing in the word, but we kind of perceive it as that. Whereas they're kind of seeing it more as their, you know, their natural kind of language. So a big part of like learning certain languages, especially like more, exotic languages like that are different from say English is to learn, kind of learn those base sounds like for instance Japanese mm-hmm. has a lot of those different sounds and similarly in Japan Japan uh, they don't have an L or an R sound they have something that's kind of in between the L and the R and so when they hear us use the R sound or use the L sound to them actually sounds the same so this is kind of why you hear a lot of Japanese or kind of foreign people like from the, the Asian side uh, when they say they're like, say, I'm so ronery, you know, that's not because they're pronouncing it wrong in their head. It's because the way their language is set up, th- they actually can't perceive that difference. And they've done some studies on it where they've actually trained people to say, recognize like say an L or an R sound and they can get better at it. So it's something you can learn over time. But if you just take your natural kind of uh, syllables in the language, you know, you're mapping it on to what you're hearing with this other language. So a big part of learning certain languages is just kind of understanding those different sounds and kind of putting them together in a whole package. Mm. I know um, there there's some of those that are like way harder than others. Um, one big thing is I can't make some of those sounds. Like I just don't know how or it's physically impossible for me. Like a rolled R, my I can't do that. And from my understanding, there's a certain percentage of the population that just literally... They do not have the physiological makeup to be able to roll an R. Uh, it's just not something they can do. Um, and like a lot of those, uh, the the very German-esque or Germanic uh, guttural, I, I can't even do it to, to say it, but like with like an OG or whatever, it's like, oh, I, I can't do those. Uh, and I think that may just be, I need, I need uh, to learn how to. Um, but I'm sure there's YouTube videos for that nowadays. So I may have to look into that. Back when I was on my language learning spree, uh, there, 
is a camp of people who believe that the best way to learn a language, if you if you want to do it properly, is the first by learning all the syllables and just practicing those syllables like constantly. And then you train yourself, you know, to understand the syllables like in like different formats. And th that's the first way to do it. Because number one, when you start going to further kind of learning of the language, you don't have like a like Americanized or English sort of accent to it. Because, you know, the way they're going to hear it, if you're speaking with, say, like Americanized versions, like let's say uh, we're speaking Spanish and you say Pero. Like that does sound, if you say a tiny Spanish speaker, they're going to know where you come from mm -hmm. because Pero is not how they would say it. It's going to be Pero. Pero. Which I'm fine with. I'm fine with them knowing I'm American. Uh, I mean, that's, mm. that's true. Um, so. It, it could kind of limit conversation though. Uh, for, for instance, like if, if you're saying it in a certain kind of way and they have to like take that extra time to process and kind of understand what you're saying, they're probably going to be missing a lot of stuff and it's going to be kind of very broken. The like more broken than you might realize. The closest I can do is to put an L before the R, uh, and that to me simulates it kind of close. So Pedro, and that's almost rolling an R, but it's not. So, so one way. Okay, here's a little trick that I learned okay. to kind of help with the rolled R's. Learning live. So you say Prince of Prussia. Okay, Prince of Prussia. So say, all right, now say. Uh, Prince of Prussia again, but put like a pretend, pretend you're saying a like a P. You're doing a D, like Prince of Prussia. Prince of Prussia. No, don't do it slow. Do it fast. Prince of Prussia. I, I have to go slow to, find, to do it with my brain. That's interesting. I'm gonna, anyway. It, I'm gonna keep trying that. Yeah, if you spend a little bit of time with that, you know, you'll start getting it because all that the the Spanish R is doing, it, it, like people overcomplicate it. Because it's not like you're doing anything special. What you're doing is, it's you're doing R, like ah. It's more towards the front of your mouth, but you're tapping your tongue to the top of the mouth. So ar, ar, ar. You're doing it real fast. Interesting. It, it's almost like you're blowing up on the back, the bottom of your tongue up, ar. And then with the rolled R, what you're doing is you're doing that, but you're kind of letting your tongue kind of just flap around. What's more freeform, ar, ar. It's been a while since I practiced, but uh, perro, perro. Hmm. So it's more just the tongue and letting the tongue do what it needs to, but you could just practice by going ad, 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 and just kind of tapping the top of your tongue. It's going to sound weird at first, but once you start getting used to it, then it kind of starts working. Maybe in a future episode, yeah, not... I'll be rolling my R's. <laughs> I'll have to practice. Um, uh, not to cut you off, but uh, I, I think we should probably stop it here and continue in a part two. Uh, I only say it because I'm editing and I know how long this one goes. So, hey, next week, part two of uh, our talk about learning languages on We Need to Talk.